episode 299 of the No Persinium podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from the No Pro headquarters here in Los Angeles, still the kitchen table. This week on the show, we are proud to present our guest, Siobhan O'Loughlin, the creator of A Broken Bone Bathtub and Please Don't Touch the Artist. And Siobhan's here to talk about both her ongoing online series, Please Don't Touch the Artist, and her upcoming in-person show, Every Day I'll Hope, which is coming here to Los Angeles, now that Siobhan's here in Los Angeles. Ironically, I'm recording this on a day when Siobhan is in New York, uh, but nevertheless, uh, the new show's coming up in July. Uh, Siobhan's been on the show before, uh, we, we, we walk through all that. Uh, she's a friend. Uh, it, it's all very exciting that she's here in LA and yeah, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward uh, to this. There's also, there's a cat in this episode. Uh, very exciting. Uh, and this was the second episode that we recorded, uh, live but in person with someone, uh, in this, in this, uh, new emerging era. Got a few things to talk to you about before we jump in. Don't, don't skip ahead. You're going to want to know about a few of these things. Uh, first off, we'll do some some real basic stuff. Uh, the site is hopping right now. Catherine has been on fire when it comes to the Tribeca coverage. I've been <laughs> doing what I can, but I've been running around doing a bunch of admin stuff this week. So I've only gotten a few reviews in, and I've still got to dive in deeply into the Museum of Other Realities. But Catherine has scouted it all at this point, I'm pretty sure. Um, and just a, a cornucopia of material. Uh, we've got that. Uh, the, all the capsule reviews are in the Tribeca Diary. Uh, we published a uh, curtain raiser last week uh, that has a few interviews in it, along with uh, just some notes on some shows we were looking forward to. We're going to do a bookend piece that will come out uh, on Friday the 18th, which is when I'm recording this. I got to put it together, but it's ready to go. That's got a few more interviews coming out, and that's including interviews with the folks behind Welcome to Respite and Discriminator. And I I believe uh, there's one more uh, inside Goliath, I want to say. I don't have that right in front of me, uh, uh, but I believe that's that's the other one uh, that we have. So three interviews coming through in the in the closeout piece, uh, book ending it. Uh, Tribeca Immersive is always a massive, uh, in, in some ways, like one. I don't want to make any other festivals feel bad. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. Yeah, I shouldn't have said. They do a really good job. Let's just put it that way. A really good job. Uh, and, uh, if you check the newswire, you'll see, uh, that, uh, a bunch of stuff, uh, won some awards, uh, and it's all projects that we're very, very excited about. And you can check out last week's episode, uh, to hear interviews with, uh, the creators of the changing same who won one of those awards and also, uh, the creators of Brianna's garden, which you can download on your phone right now and experience for yourself. 
All right, so that's what's going on with the Tribeca coverage. The review crew has also been in effect. The review rundowns up on the site that comes out on Tuesdays and it went up. Also, if you are a Patreon backer, you have access to the exclusive feed that has the review crew podcast in it where we talk about some of the shows this week. Uh, That's there. Check the Patreon feed uh, for that recording. Uh, It's about, uh, I think, about like an hour this time, maybe less. I think it was a a tight crew this week. Uh, So you might want to check that out. Uh, We record that usually every Wednesday, and we do that live in the Discord, and anyone can get access to that. The recordings are at this point for the Patreon backers. Uh, There's, there's, going to be a lot of shuffling coming around soon for reasons that'll be very obvious, uh, very obvious in just a couple of weeks. Uh, part of that shuffling is we will not be doing the review crew next week because next week the team is recording episode 300 and I don't want to like make everyone like do like four podcasts next week because we're not paying them. So like that'd be cruel. So we're doing episode 300 next week. No review crew, but probably a long episode. Uh, just 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 rolling through with a whole bunch of folks from that. I got to double check and make sure we've got everybody uh, locked down. Not the only uh, thing uh, where we're going to be seeing a bunch of people. If you are here in Los Angeles and you're part of the community, Leia, the League of Experiential and Immersive Artists. I nearly messed that up and I named the blasted thing. Leia is having our first in-person meeting in over a year at the Roguelike Tavern at 7 o'clock on monday the 21st we will be inducting the first formal members of leia who haven't been just the founding committee uh so people are getting their voting rights uh on on monday uh and we'll also be uh starting to figure out uh what committees people want to serve on for those who don't know leia is an organizing body uh being organized as a 501c6 it's the same thing that uh, your local chamber of commerce is organized as. It is technically called a business league. So uh, it's being organized that way as an advocacy group for immersive as a whole. Uh, individual memberships, uh, companies can also align themselves with Leia and there'll be company memberships down the line. But in this situation, uh, voting is uh, voting rights are with the individual members of uh, the league. And there are some requirements about working in the field or being uh, an active uh, organizer in this field, uh, serving the public trust of the immersive creative community, as it were. You can check all of that stuff in the show notes. There will be a link to the post at Leia.design about the event. And that also will carry you to a link to the bylaws, which are getting one last update over the weekend before we start inducting people, because that's what you got to do legally. Okay, well, we've got something we've got to fix before. Just we're, we're making, we're doing some election stuff this year, and we want to make sure that uh, that's in the bylaws. Uh, and that's not like, oh, they're, they're messing with things. No, we're, we're holding some extra elections this year. <laughs> we want to make sure that's in the bylaws uh, so we can actually get the power out to everybody else, right? Okay, that's that's a big principle there. I'll probably talk more about that at some other point. Uh, this has been a passion project for a while, 
and uh, I'm, I'm very interested in in having there be like a body by which the creative community, not just in Los Angeles, but all across the country, um, can can uh, can function. All right. More on that on some other day, or just you know ask me questions. You know me. Uh, I'll talk. We have two new backers on the Patreon this week. They are Raihan Sangara and Laverne McKinnon. Thank you both so much for jumping in. Uh, we're doing that little thing where we churn, where we get two people and we lose two people. And let me tell you, it is nerve-wracking. We're trying to get to 500 backers by the end of the summer, um, which is, you know, probably unrealistic. Uh, we need 13 a week. If we got one a day, I would be ecstatic. And I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but the more you spread the work, the more people come in, the more folks who go, wow, I where was this in my life? I needed it. Here's two bucks. Here's five dollars. Uh, which is, you know, what some other publications are asking for. Very, very large concerns that have big businesses behind them. I got you. That's it. I got you. You got me. We're stuck together. I need $5. So there you go. <laughs> Patreon.com slash no for city. <laughs> Our sustaining backers. I laugh about this stuff because it's a nervous laugh. Uh, Our sustaining backers are Ari Hurston, Brittany, Elaine, Emily Gillette, Lonnie Hanson, Paul F., Mark Balthazar, Samuel Mustry, Sydney Guillory, Deborah Robinson, and Jan Budman. Thank you all so much for being here for us. All right, that is enough of this part. We're almost at 10 minutes. Let's get you to the interview. Here we go with Shavana Lachlan, live. Hey, Noah Nelson, nice to see you again. Oh. It is good to see you again. Well, thank you. Hello. Hey. Hi. This is a nice, this, now, th- now this is a proper pleasant way to start as yeah. opposed to what we were just joking around on. Hey, you know. Yeah. Gotta warm up the warm up LA room. Air. Air. It's just, it's, it's, this is a lovely space we're in. Your brother was very nice enough to let us use his recording studio inside of his, his apartment that he shares with his wife. Um, and uh, this is the second in-person interview that uh, Nopra's done this year and that I've done this week. Um, I'll take sloppy seconds. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Actually, it wasn't even this week. I did I did, I did, did that last week. Um, so I've, I've had time to, you know, I've showered since. So <laughs> Two in a row. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, you've already got a fun energy in the room, ladies and gentlemen. Uh Siobhan, you've been you've been uh, spending like all year mostly uh, socializing over Zoom. So, what's it like to get back into the world? This is actually you are the first. Well, that's not necessarily true. I haven't really spent much time at all like this. Actually, like sitting in a in a room inside with someone. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. We'll put it that way. I, I've been a lot of people's first lately. It's which is something I've never been able to say before. That's and what I'm saying. I'm like sloppy fifths at this point. Uh, I just keep getting demoted. No, you're not demoted. Oh, thanks. You're not demoted in our hearts. Thanks, anyway. Noah. There's, you know, there's reality. But then thanks, no proscenium. Yeah. <laughs> I do not know if this is going to go on here. Like, this is 
was already like, what is going on? There are people who seem like, oh, Jesus, what is going on? Are we sure this is the You're show? Like, She's so funny. No, well, you are funny. It's just like, I'm I'm kind of like out of character, as it were. Oh, it's really? Like, yeah, I am. You know, this is more like an after dark. These are just, these are just LaCroix. You know, they're just, I have almost pulled out the hard kombuchas, but... <laughs> Please do not say hard kombucha while I am drinking Why? something. Because it is funny. Uh, uh, I'm closing this door because there's like literal drilling happening yes, outside. Yes. Actual sounds of it. And luckily it wasn't it wasn't too bad. I've never had the limoncello. Do you uh, like it? Look right. It's kind of vanilla-y. I was surprised. It tastes like a lemon cake. I love it. Oh, that's what it is. It's like a lemon cake. I've, I totally love it. Shane can't stand that one. You know, I, I'm getting rapidly used to it. I was expecting something more lemony, but like the lemon it's LaCroix. There. Right. And the lemon LaCroix is too lemony. It's like trying. It's like, ah. it's like mm-hmm. honestly, it mm-hmm. tastes like someone forgot half the 7-Up syrup because it's only lemon and not lemon <laughs> lime. This is a different flavor. And I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. The, I'll, I'm having the pastique, which is the watermelon one, mm. and that's quite. Um, it's a bit subtle, but it's also quite nice because watermelon is water with a little bit of a hint of a flavor. Anyway, that's true. <laughs> it's perfect. Wa- watermelon. What do I? I just usually put a bunch of salt on it. It's how I, how I deal with it. That's how I enjoy it. Oh, that's <gasps> interesting. Hello, Detective Munch. Um, we are joined. <laughs> Oh, I hope that made it to the audio because that was perfect. <laughs> and I do mean perfect. There is a, there's a kitty in here who just, you may have heard the voicing. We, <laughs> we're like three minutes into this. Do you want to like, start you? <laughs> I don't think I do, actually. Okay, cool. Okay. <laughs> so, um, well, because, because, you know, one of the, one of the things people, I, I think actually think this is kind of appropriate because I think when I think of what you've been doing w- with uh, Zoom theater, um, over the past year, uh, the big thing is, that comes to mind is community. Mm. Like you've built a community, you know, tell, tell folks how long, so a, a given show is about, an actual what? An hour. An hour. How long do people stay afterwards for your, or are they staying afterwards for your shows? Oh, you know, we'll, we'll do a 9 p.m. Uh, Eastern time performance and it will end, and the the Zoom will close at five in the morning. That's a lot of math. So that's seven seven hours. Seven to eight hours. Seven to eight mm-hmm. hours. We've also actually stayed up until three in the morning after a noon, uh, a noon Pacific time. And has this has this been like this? generally the same group of people each time or does it kind of like float through like it floats through because different people come and go at different stages of their lives transitions with work life romantic partners living situations but um yeah there's there's there there is a, certainly a, a consistent cast of characters who who stay and certainly what we call the the late night party people mm. um who sort of thrive on like all right i'm going to the show and then i'm going to cook a meal over zoom and i'm gonna try on different kinds of makeup throughout the zoom i'm gonna um you know sort of have a whole vibe and an experience happening in this in this kind of post-show hang oh so there's like a whole house party vibe that's been going on oh yeah yeah we that's why we call it the party because people people get drunk and high people you know i mean just the number of antics that it's devolved into such as watching the 1997 cats Stage performance <laughs> in earnest, you know, or Sailor Moon with subtitles. <laughs> oh my lord! 
<laughs> so like, you turn it into a whole watch party. So watch parties, social events. Some sometimes people are like, "Listen, I got to get this off my chest and pull out some deep stuff they're dealing with." And we, and the room gives ample advice. You know, so it really, yeah, like a like a group of friends who get together every week and you know talk talk about stuff. Now, how did how did this evolve in the first place? Because you know, at the start of our our endless pandemic surgeon, uh, which is changing now it's it's different and I'm, I'm i'm not saying it's ending but it's changing it's changing you know you you've done for years now you were you were touring broken bone bathtub which is when we first met yes out here in los angeles uh before you start touring around you you you're you were based in new, new york, york city. city you're now based out here but i am newly so i know but like God, I was something maybe like five years ago or something. Yeah, now. Six, six, six years. It was ago? six years. Six ago. years ago. Six years ago. You only had three hundred followers then, Noah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's oh, on on Twitter. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. Oh, we got three thousand now. So like, I guess. Well, no pro's got like almost five thousand, but yeah. Um, that no pro had three hundred. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was it was a it was diff- different different time. You came to the first broken bone bathtub I did for an English speaking audience. What have you done before? Japan. Japan. Okay. Now, mind you, also note, you've been on the show before, but despite the fact that like we've talked for years, I've never interviewed you because it was Catherine who interviewed you. No, no it, was it was the Z- charming Zay. Zay? <laughs> it was in the Zay era. Oh. I didn't realize it was the Zay era. And oh in fact, uh, he came to the voiceover studio that I worked at uh, in New York. Oh my God. So, it was that long ago. Yeah. Jeez. So I just bring you all to soundproof spaces. That's what I do. Wow. And that brings us to the end of the conversation, but we can do P- we can talk about PDT first. We'll talk about PDT, yeah, because uh, uh, don't worry, folks, this is going somewhere. Uh, so you, you did Broken Bone Bathtub, and yes. uh, lovely piece of work. It's done in, you know, bathrooms that get loaned to you. You're you're in a bathtub. Uh, you're, it, it's it's a one woman show, right? Mm-hmm. It's something that you might see. At a fringe festival or part of like a, a, a you know a, a one person show round, but you're in situ, you're you're in the bathtub, you're telling the story, but you're also kind of doing this sort of call and response work with the audience, and we found that the royal we, <laughs> you know, like Zay and I found Zay Anthony and I found that very interesting because uh, that was that's who it was back in the days, right? It was like Zay Anthony and I. Um, You you did that show then like all over the country at this mm-hmm. place at, at, at this point, mm-hmm. um, and then pandemic hit. So take us take us into that moment of like when you're like you've got this piece of work you've been doing 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 doing. You had you had almost retired it a couple of times, but then it kept pulling you back Just in. Kept pulling me back. I People keep that. asking for it. Yeah, I I'd tell Noah. So I'd times. say I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. And then I'm she goes into LA. Oops. Oh yeah. And then I'd be like, so I'll move to LA in six months because I got to go back on the road. <laughs> You pulled this routine on me more than once, more than once. (laughs) And everyone else in L.A. In fact, my friend I just visited a a week ago, he said, um, he said, so how long are you here? I said, well, I signed a lease. He said, how long are you here, Siobhan? (laughs) I moved to Los Angeles. So, okay, I, uh, yeah, I'm actually, you know, working on the edits for the Broken Bone Bathtub documentary. Thank you for no pro folks who contributed to that. We are on the ninth round. We're really close, actually, to picture lock. But. Uh, so yeah, so it's March and I'm in the, I'm in deep in edits and also have a lot of Broken Bone Bathtub performances coming up. I'm going to do it in Salt Lake City and Austin 
And uh, as I met with Meredith, uh, by your recommendation, um, she was going to produce um, a whole round of final Broken Bone performances here in Los Angeles upon my move in the summer. So that had been our plan. So I had quite a lot more time to be on the road uh, after the winter in New York. The spring and summer would be more performances. And then, of course, everything got canceled. And I'm sure many, many, many artists uh, relate to the experience of one phone call after another which was just pure agony, like shows canceled in September. Like, I'm like, no, 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 come on, come on, come on, come on. We can't, don't, please don't do this to me. And then I would say, you know, please consider me if things come back to like hire me again and create a new contract. So I am a uh, workaholic. I am, I can be uh, slightly neurotic and I am certainly, um, I wouldn't say competitive, but definitely brainwashed by the capital, capitalist machine insofar as I know that if I'm not doing things, then I'm not really uh, in the game, as it were. And part of how I stay afloat, because I'm operated by one person, myself, by myself, uh, and part of my thing is just making sure people know that I'm doing things. And I'm pretty good about social media. I keep, I teach social media to voice actors. That's sort of one of my side gigs. And I also do it actively for myself. And so I decided right away, okay, everything's shutting down. I'm going to tell Facebook that I'm, that I'm doing a, um, that I'm doing a performance on Zoom and I'm going to do it tomorrow night. And so the next night I opened up Zoom and I had 25 people in, in the waiting room. And this is March 17th. So this is St. Patrick's Day. I canceled a date I was supposed to be on. You were like five days after, we're, we're six days after the NBA called it quits at that point. Yes, yeah. but it was the second day after lockdown officially began in New York because mm. it was a Tuesday night and we had... and. The weekend, that Sunday, was the final day you could really be out. Yeah. And so I didn't expect 25 people to show up in the waiting room, but they did. So then I was like, okay, uh, I guess I'll read from my journal because I didn't really plan anything. So I read from my journal to these 25 people from kind of all over different walks of, of my life in different cities across the, the U.S. And uh, weirdly, they liked it and they tipped me. I made 150 bucks from a 25-minute performance which is pretty good for someone who used to do a show in a bathtub. <laughs> and uh, so well, then there's, I, there's nowhere to put the tips in the bathtub show. Yeah. And with small audiences, it's just not a lucrative gig. No. Everybody in this field knows that. So then uh, I actually was approached by two of my friends who had been in the audience who both offered to help me. And that is an artist I still work with from time to time. His name is Brendan, uh, Brendan Leahy, who is a designer and uh, a set designer and sound designer. And my friend, Denissa Young, who is a performance artist now based out of Chicago. So pretty quickly we formed a team and I said, you know, I think I want to keep doing this because people seem to want to go and hey, I'm marketing 101, like give them, give the people what they want. So we uh, started um, running shows twice a week. Just And I was just firing up content. Like anything that would happen in my life, I would turn into an hour-long show. Yeah, that's the thing I think I'm most, other than like the community aspect, which, you know, you touched on, I might want to circle back to. That I think is the thing that I'm most fascinated about because, you know, you've you spent years doing Broken Bone Bathtub. You had other shows before them. You took a lot of time to develop those and polish them and tweak and work. And here you were going into like raw residency mode and just cranking through stuff. And I kept saying, okay, when no one comes, I'll cancel and, I, and I'll be done with the project. But that just to this day, as of last Tuesday night, has not yet happened. We still have, you know, 40 people coming to the Zoom 
to uh, and and actually it's gotten to be quite like a TV show now. We've got our 80th episode coming up with Joe Joliness, and people love the new the new content that's really raw and messy and involves me dropping things, you know, like an audio cue gone wrong. It's kind of been the most process oriented. So residency is, is is accurate because I've been able to create new work without with so much less fear. And I remember when Catherine was like, hey, you're doing you're doing shows. Can we put them on the No Pro newsletter? And I said, I am not. I don't know if I'm ready for that. I'm, that makes me nervous. And she was like, let's just do it. And getting over the fear of of other people liking me to just say like, hey, I'm I'm trying this thing. It's okay if you don't like it. I don't know if I like it. I've never done it before. And I think most immersive folks know we don't really know how the work is going to manifest until it's in front of new people. But what I understood really early on was that people were slapped in the face with this pandemic and they were just they were just stunned by it in so much so so much so that they they didn't really know what to do with themselves. So we'd do a show at 3 p.m. on a Monday, 11 a.m. on a Wednesday, and people would show up. No matter what time we, we would do a performance, um, people would show up. And I think part of it is because, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a fairly trained storyteller. I'm old enough to say that I have enough experience telling stories in front of folks. But also what my actual skill is, is um, making a space for people to be themselves in. And I learned how to do that for five years traveling the world with Broken Bone Bathtub. But what I learned actually is that it isn't the bathtub. It isn't the space. It's a skill that I possess. And I don't, I don't think I have a lot of skills. Um, but in this case, I have really learned how to be a good listener. Even though I'm the creator and the performer, my shows are really, they're not about me. The structure of, of what you do definitely leans into that where and that's one of the things I've of the pieces I've seen from the Please Don't Touch series um, I, I see the formula that's at work in Broken Bone Bathtub at work in those which is there's there's the kind of the set piece if you will like you'd almost in a weird way you can almost think of it like, like the way a video game works you get a set piece you get a cut scene you get the performance and then there's a prompt to action, a call to action that you put to the audience, and then you're holding space for them to respond to the prompt to work it out. Does that always work every single time? Or well, Every human being is, is different, right? Mm -hmm. And um, the significance, the importance of the space is is creating a space for each different person to actually be themselves. So when I'm um, structuring a, a prompt, you know, so we pitch a prompt to the audience at PDT and we've, you know, so it's a it's a prompt coming from me. And usually um, or often the conceit is that I reach a certain stumbling point in my narrative where I don't know what to do or I'm overwhelmed by a feeling. And I'll ask for the audience to support me in that feeling or to disagree with me or say don't make that decision you shouldn't do that decision or help me make a decision or to talk through a complex emotion and so I'll ask you know has anyone felt like that and I'll solicit up twinkles which I you know obtained from the Occupy movement wherein you know it's a, it's like applause for um uh you know, like like it's it's an applause gesture um in the deaf community 
But it's also we would use this these kinds of um, hand hand symbols in the Occupy movement to not interrupt other people when they're talking, you know, and to express agreement or solidarity or dissent with something that someone is saying. So. Um, finding ways to have lots of visual cues on Zoom was really important to me very early on. Since everyone has to be on mute, I want to keep the urgency of the action. So I want you to be engaged enough to know that I'm looking at you and I'm looking to you. And when I'm asking, uh, when I pitch a prompt to the group, you volunteer yourself by giving me up twinkles or down twinkles if you want to disagree. But that gesture allows us to know that you consent to being unmuted. And my joker, my Zoom host, will pick someone to bring to bring to the stage, as you might say on Clubhouse, uh, and um, and talk to me. And so, obviously, I'm looking for your story when I talk to you. And I have learned how to find my way to the the button, the cap, the thesis. Some people, it takes a longer time than others. Um, some people uh, really just drop bombs, as you've seen, like say mind-blowing things that I'm unprepared and unskilled to, to, to handle. Yeah. But that's sort of part of the magic is like, what can I create as a solo performer? What kind of vulnerability can I continue to exhibit online? Can I explore intimacy online? Um, I'm sure anyone with an OnlyFans account would say yes, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, and so, yes, I can. And how can I use that to create a space for other people to explore intimacy and vulnerability online? I'm, I'm glad we're not doing video because Siobhan gestured at me when she said anyone with an OnlyFans account. I gestured and, uh, <laughs> to the point of the... Th- th- and, and just Noah's so you know, OnlyFans. I'm, I'm, <laughs> There'll be a hyperlink. I'm on, I'm on Patreon, not OnlyFans. <laughs> All right. This isn't one of those podcasts. My landlord doesn't know the difference. Munch. <laughs> In LA, I think you, I think I think now if I was trying to, I'd have to like say that I had OnlyFans. The landlords would understand that better, uh, and it, but also they'd probably raise my rent. Um, then again, only if they didn't see me. Um, but there, there's a point here about, and I think this is an important mechanic for anyone who's working immersive. And I think that those who go to immersive, I, I'd I'd love to know for for attendees for the the audience if they find this to be true. It is the act of the performer demonstrating vulnerability, modeling that, which can allow people to step through and meet it with their own. Mm. This is like a kind of a, a, a tenant that's sort of a, emerging um, in, in the kind of the broader consensus at the moment. And I think it's always been there. And it's almost like something we take for granted that that is like the core and, and possibly the sort of the, you will, the spiritual quality that allows for all these very different structures in all these very different genres and using these very different mechanics. But this this idea of the story demonstrates, the performers demonstrate, the characters demonstrate vulnerability, creating a space for the vulnerability of the audience. And, and that's maybe the thing that makes something that wouldn't be otherwise immersive emotionally. Mm. And finding the space for that, you know, with a when a conversation is active and activated with an audience member, you know, what am I trying to do as a as a teller, as the as the performer? I'm trying to create an overall experience of, as you said, community of I'm telling my story. But as I said, it's not really my story. It's I hope everyone's story, this solo performance, essentially. Right. We're, we're here to connect with the audience like a scene partner, even in a proscenium setting. But uh, so you so you learn when to apply soft pressure when you're like, I think like when someone kind of leaves a blanket statement like, well, yeah, I felt like that. But like, 
I usually don't talk about it. Okay, you said usually. So you didn't close the door on me, right? So I can nudge the door open a little bit and with gentleness and kindness, ask if you wouldn't mind unpacking. Well, why is it that you usually don't talk about it? How does it make you feel, right? Finding ways to do that. Meanwhile, this community at this point is fully trained to have a roaring chat scrolling throughout the performance where they are actively engaging with everything that the participant is saying. And 90% of the time, with so much solidarity. I completely understand what you're saying, Todd. I've totally been there. Oh, Todd's story reminds me of this thing that happened to me three years ago, right? There's so much happening. So almost every time when I'm engaging with a participant, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, we're gonna let you go and, and mute you again. And I'd love for you to check the chat because you're getting a lot of support right now. And I think that there's this entire experience and people in their Zoom squares giving up twinkles for someone as they're talking when something they have said resonates, you know, it really is finding, I mean, people are often like, oh, Siobhan does like group therapy meets sexy dinner party meets, you know, sleepover in high school, right? It's like all of these weird combos of things, but it's really kind of true because they are silly like a sleepover, but they are... They, the conversations get sophisticated like a nice dinner party. And there's also, you know, an element of, of surprise and excitement about what kinds of what kinds of things come up as we dig into the human experience. From, from a logistical standpoint, just for a second, um, are, while someone's unpacking, are, are you? Are you watching the group chat? Is your is your Joker watching? Who's who's following that? Because like that kind of management of of the community in that way can be tricky. You know uh, where to pay attention. Great question. I never look at the chat. I can't do it. Yeah. The, the Joker's in the chat, and I'm fully in present with my person. You know, it's it's really important. The presence with the audience, I think, is obviously as an immersive an immersive performer, uh, it's the priority. You know, and so when you've got a, essentially what's happening is a one on one, right? There's 40 people. One of them has been unmuted and it's me and you and you've got my full attention. And I, I think that um, I think prioritizing the audience and the audience experience has really been has really been my objective always. And when you saw me experimenting with Broken Bone Bathtub with an English speaking audience and learning what kind of prompts I could do and how I could find deep connections in this space um, in so much so that it, you know, I don't know. I, I, I think I think that that's kind of a lot of. Yeah, the signi- what's what, what is important to me about what, what I do. Yeah. It's been like, I guess, over a year now mm-hmm. of, of running this. How how has it how has it evolved over the course and and sort of what are you sort of ready for now? Great. Yeah. So, you know, I guess three things um, particularly about PDT. The first is something you mentioned earlier is like, oh, you know, these after parties that happen. Um, What we learned, again, very early on after maybe the third the third show, uh, Denissa, um, you know, one of my collaborators was like, hey, everybody like I would say goodbye to people one at a time and then they would kind of leave after the performance. And then she was like, I don't think people want to leave. What you know, and so when I start the show, as you know, I greet every person one by one by name at their square, and sometimes it's, that it's very romper room. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I almost just want to get you like the 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 magic 
like circular wand thing yeah. you can see everyone through. <laughs> it's it can be really silly. And when there's a lot of people and we're like, cool, I've been doing this for five minutes, just shouting people's <laughs> names. And I'm like, I promise there's a performance. I don't just yell at people's names. That's not what the performance is. But we're just getting everybody in the space. I don't know. Some people pay five dollars for that. So. Yeah. <laughs> my tickets are now ten dollars. Ooh, OK. <laughs> well, I've been putting my place. <laughs> <laughs> but so we found that to be really important because like god damn it if people aren't seen and heard enough in the before times they certainly aren't <sighs> now right i mean right tell so me about it in a zoom square so when you pop up i really haven't been greeted like that really at a zoom experience before um to be like personally greeted yeah when i come into a space um and the thing is you see square by square people light up and they're on mute but i'll talk about their what I see, what they're wearing, what they're eating, you know, and they're miming things to me. If I comment on their clothes, they'll show me their clothes closer to the mirror, to well, the camera. Rather. Well, that's definitely like the up twinkle, down twinkle stuff. You know, w one thing that people have a real hard time with, with Zooms and with webinar, you know, like I'll, I've given speeches, you know, not a whole bunch, but like I gave like one keynote to like a theater thing a couple months ago. It was bizarre because you just don't know if the jokes are landing or mm -hmm. not, you know, just, just, talking to a dead silent room mm. it, it, every moment feels like things are bombing so like mm. the fact that you have this structure set up mm. like, that's that's a miracle in of itself it's for you yeah. super helpful and encouraging gallery mode so that people can see each other it's much better for comedy because if someone else or they laughs can just pin their uh pin their crush or you can pin your crush i hear that happens in your shows Sean. i have heard tell also you can take a screenshot of your crush and make your crush your background now that's bold. It better be me at least once during the show, okay? Because otherwise my feelings will get hurt. Oh, you could, your crush oh, can change. Oh, do the people who do this, they, they, they rotate their crushes? No, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> I see what kind of party you're running. <laughs> the best kind of party. Okay, look. Well, <laughs> Detective Munch uh, does not approve. She's taking a nap by my bag now. She's. Uh, oh, she quite likes your bag. Then. She has, uh, yeah, I think she's getting territorial. I so, so, right. So, you know, seeing people and making sure that they know that they are seen, which we do for folks even with um, their cameras off, right? So uh, I'll just mention very quickly our good friend Jack. Jack is a person who has never had their camera on ever, ever, ever. We don't know where Jack is or who Jack is, but Jack is a devoted PDT friend and lover who always makes an appearance at our performances. And the people, they love Jack for who Jack is. Jack's not going to turn your camera on. Jack's probably not going to talk, although sometimes does say some things. Like once I said, Jack, I love audiobooks. Would you ever read a book out loud to me? And Jack replied, probably not, LOL. So, in the um, chat or like said it? In the chat. Oh, in the chat. Oh, okay. Sometimes, sometimes Jack responds in the chat. Uh, once we asked we, uh, a favorite food and Brett Jackson was at the show and said, I think Jack O'Lantern pumpkin pie. And we said, Jack, do you like pumpkin pie? And Jack said, Y-E-A, yeah. And that's the only time Jack said anything the entire show. You know, so we get yeah. little nuggets from Jack, but yeah. it's but we're used to Jack and we, we love Jack for uh, who Jack is. And then these after parties, once Denisa had said, you know, I, I just don't think people want to leave. And she said, what if we just didn't kick them out? Would that be cool with you? Like, how much do you have going on after the show? And I said, you know what? I'll talk to people. I don't mind. And so this deep conversation happened for four hours. You know, one week into the pandemic from people from Atlanta, there was someone from uh, Finland who was just list up late listening to us talk. was like, I'm learning so much about American politics. You know, and, and 
it was fascinating to watch and mo- and people mostly at that point from my life of broken bone bathtub across the country and world connecting um to each other right and so essentially we just decided from now on if one of us can stay and it's always been me you know my team now uh, one of my jokers jarge he's quite he's quite devoted to the after party so he's often a, a, a spearhead of of the evening antics as it were but we've got um we we always keep the space open and it really has been a place for deep friendships to uh, maintain and there's a lot of reasons for that certainly at the beginning of the pandemic it was like well what the fuck else do i do i don't know what to do and i'm lonely and a lot of the people um, who i think my work speaks to um are humans who struggle in in various ways with themselves and where they are in their walk of life and their path in their career and their romantic scenarios and their friendship scenarios or have have some deep resonance with depression there's some existential dread amongst us you know and and some loneliness and what we have really emphasized as much as we love flirting crushes these kinds of jokes what we've really i think kind of the theme of 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 pdt of of the work has been um uh, intimate friendships and that these these relationships we've fostered are are real, even though most of us have never met. Um, and that they're actual friends. They're people who know deep things about each other. We now have a our, we have a very active community Slack where people we have a mental health channel to talk about depression. We have a postal service channel. We have a huge pen pal exchange, like massive people sending letters across the world actually to each other. Uh, you're assigned a new pen pal every month to send a letter to and to receive a letter from someone new that you don't know. And um, it's really with the emphasis of of strong friendships and that those matter, that that kind of love is real and that uh, and that we champion it in the space. So you had a question that wasn't that, though. You were talking about where it was and now where we are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So where we are is the demand for digital performance is declining. That's a reality. I know because the numbers tell me the truth. And as much as I love to sit here and talk about art, baby girl be looking at sales. She be looking at marketing and she's freaking out. So uh, <laughs> we, we laugh because it's true. And it's, it's, it's scary. I mean, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, there's there's like it, it. You can just one can just look at, you know, how Clubhouse popped and now has really seemingly receded like i think there's still some stuff going on but uh not nearly the degree to which it was you know in in february i know clubhouse celebs as one might say are are certainly feeling that kind of fear right about about the future and you know luckily enough for me i did move from pure donations (laughs) to tons of free performances i did move to a ticketing system and starting january 1st of this year i stopped offering free tickets to shows unfortunately um and there's a subscription level on my patreon for folks to just have ticket links but um yeah so where we are now is that i have cut down uh the supply of shows from it used to be twice a week and it was that way for most of 2020 it to it then came down to once a week um, up until the month of May. And so now we are doing just two shows a month and we're doing a remount performance. We're doing an encore again of my brother Shane playing Joe Jonas in our Joe Jonas episode, which thank you, uh, Ali's, um, you know, uh, nod. Ali's salute to that show made it to your no pro uh, um, top 20 list at the end of the year. 
And um, so we're doing two shows still and essentially with the same method or mode that I've been in, which is, okay, I will, I will do these as long as there is demand. If at some point it's outrageous to do them, then I, then I won't. And I can be totally transparent when we talk about money. It's like, you know, I could never really afford to pay for rehearsals. We do a Q to Q before the show and then we just do the show, you know, because I yeah. can't. I pay designers. So the places it's gone, it's, we've really, I, I, I feel we've got a pretty professional setup. I've got good camera quality. Some shows I switch cameras if I need to be on the floor or, or stand or high up. Um, I've created, uh, now I've done more mobile experiences where I bring the tripod with me around the room. Uh, I, I've been able to explore a lot and think more cinematically in terms of creating theater and still finding a space for it to be interactive and community oriented. Um, so I, of course I pay my team, I pay my team before I pay myself and that's important to me. Um, so, you know, but I, that means I have to adjust as, uh, as things go. So we had a show last week, uh, the lonely fans episode talking about only fans as we are, and we had a good turnout for that. So I feel, um, I feel optimistic that I will be able to keep this community thriving. And we hope to actually have a big in-person event for this PDT community somewhere in the country, Maybe in 2022, but we'll we'll have to see how the world how the world withstands what's coming for us. Um, and that has meant, of course, that with that much less money coming in from performing online, I have to pivot once again without enough time and uh, by the skin of my teeth. But I will do that. And you are, already have something lined up. Correct. The first draft is uh, finished um, last night, and we've done our photo shoot. I just need to pick more images well actually they'll be out by the time this episode goes out and tickets will be on sale at that point so uh you're we're super in the makings of it and if i can just speak to how this came about i can be honest and say that i panicked i panicked about um the decline in sales being sudden right like suddenly may happened and people want to be outside and i don't blame them but i didn't expect it to happen like that and i was scared and i was stressed because i'm here in la i'm new I don't know. I don't even know a venue manager, much less could I even afford a venue. I love everyone on this earth, but I do not really adore performances in parks. It's not really my jam. I don't like to personally compete with birds (laughs) and children playing soccer. I just don't like the experience of it. And I just felt myself like freaking out. Like, what can I do? And I work in the voiceover world and I was like, okay, you know what? I do have a friend who owns a voiceover studio. Uh, his name is Andrew Feliciano. He's got a space called Voice Tracks West here in uh, Studio City. And here, we're not in Studio City, here in LA, okay. To the rest of the world, it's it's here. It's so the same, same, right? Yeah, yeah. It's another neighborhood. Yeah. So, um, and by friend, I mean a colleague. I've never met this, I had never met this person and I really have barely spoken to him on the phone. I used to schedule demo records with voice actors, you know, in his space. So <laughs> I threw everything at the wall when I, when I, um, I wrote to him and his partner, uh, her name is Noelle, she's a, a voiceover coach, and I was like, hey, it's me, you know, I usually write to you about voiceover, but I'm actually writing to you about theater, and I filled this email with all the links to all the things that I do, trying to assure both of them that I am talented and worthwhile, and I said, um, I'd love to create a performance for a voiceover booth, in, for, for the booth in your space, if you would be willing to entertain that notion. So um, Andrew and I spoke on the phone and he was like, great. So, so, so what am I saying yes to? And I was like, a performance in the booth. And he said, okay, but what is the performance? And I said, I need you to say yes and I will make one. (laughs) He's like, so am I saying yes to the project or to you? I was like, me, Andrew. 
I need a green light. And he's like, you're so avant-garde. And I said, no, honey, just desperate. I'm desperate. And I will make something for the space. So he was like, all right, come, 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 come over. So I came to the studio and we looked at all the different booths he has. And God bless him. I can't tell if he's like just the standard kind of ex-rocker turned audiobook engineer style, you know, VO guy. Or if he really is just a chill L.A. guy. But this man is chill as hell. He, he's like vibing. He's like, cool. You want to do theater in here? Love it. Which booth do you want to use? You could use any one you want. So... I looked at the space and I um, I loved the space and a bunch of things that I've been researching and formulating have, have kind of come together to, to make this um, for my ideas that happened after I saw the space and was like, great, let's do this. And so we'll be opening um, this new uh, experiment um, in the middle of July and hopefully going as long as, as I can keep people coming because we can fit four people at a time. Oh. What do you, do you have a title for this yet? Yes, the show is called Every Day I'll Hope. All right. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, I mean, how much, should I, what would you like to know? Well, uh, I mean, it depends on how much you want to kind of like, you know, show off at this point. Like, I'm curious about how, if you feel like your very process-oriented internet residency ha- is is letting you kind of pull something together, you know, do, do do you feel more confident in this process now that you've done so many different versions of what you do at this point? Absolutely. Which is why I was like, give me the space. Let me look at it. I'm really working backwards, honestly. After I saw the space, I scheduled a photo shoot, right? Because I'm like, all right. And I and as I saw the space, I realized what I needed to do visually because it's a voiceover booth. It's lovely, but it's not of the space you know it's your your you know so the experience of the visual experience should come from me um and i knew of course that i needed a reason for it to be in the vo booth besides the novelty of and by the way and the, the audience will be in the booth and i'm the engineer oh yeah, yeah so you all put on headphones and you'll talk to me and you know i'm i'm on the other side of the glass so um i haven't really figured out where we'll be in july but I'll have decided this by the time this goes up in, in three weeks, basically, of of whether it'll have to be pods or if we'll be safe enough. I want the masks to be off, you know. So if you have a pod of four people that you trust, yeah. you could sit with them in the booth and you don't have to worry about me because I'm on the other side of the glass. Yeah. So we won't we will be COVID, uh, COVID safe. And so I think it's important, yeah, to kind of speak to that process because I am someone who firmly believes that if I don't set the deadline, it's not going to happen. If I worry about a perfect performance, I will damn well never make it because nothing I do is perfect. And I can't hold myself to that standard. And if I schedule a photo shoot, then I need to figure out what what I I need to get some Pinterests to my designers and my photographer. You know, I have to plan. You got to know who the character is. To I have, have to, to. Yeah. I have to have a concept at least. Yeah. Right. And I didn't need the concept in order to get the yes from Andrew because I showed him that, look, and actually his wife, Noelle, was like, that's so funny. She's like, I was just talking to my friend, Nicole, who uh, reviewed your show in New York City in 2015. And she said she held your hand and that she loved the show. Right. She remembered. So I was very lucky about the small world of performers across the country. But. You know, for me, it's very much like, okay, I need some people to say yes to me. And when I have those yeses, then they are relying on me to make the thing happen. 
Right. Then the schedule is in place. So the deadline is on me because if I set my own deadline, like I'll let myself down all day. <laughs> right. But I don't know anything about that. <laughs> I don't mean that you, I mean me. You, you know, yeah, so, yeah, you wouldn't possibly know. No one knows what that feels like. No, not at all. But what I tell, you know, when I, when I tell this, the, the guy who runs the studio that I'm, that I'm going to do this thing in July, I'm not going to look like an asshole and like say nothing. Say actually, never mind. When I schedule a photo shoot where I'm paying somebody to take my picture, all right, then I got to turn up, and it's got to, and it should look good. And then, because oh, and I always schedule shoots before I've written a script, always, because then I've put money into it, mm. I've invested, so now I better write a damn script. So I've got that going, and uh, yeah, and the shoot we decided, um, you know, so the character is there, and um, the. Uh, yeah, the con- the concept was there, and now there is the first draft of a of uh, of a script, and so the audience um, is the talent for an audiobook that is written by Bulletproof Bambi, who is your favorite e girl that you didn't actually know about, but there is an e girl with quite uh, an Instagram and OnlyFans following who um, has decided that in order to have a little bit of, you know, control in her life that she lacks, uh, she's going to direct and engineer and produce her own audiobook. And the audience is the talent. So you will be greeted as the talent. Great, you're here. Thanks. We're so happy. You know, we'll bring you in to meet your disaffected engineer, who will then, uh, you know, conduct the, uh, the recording session for this book. And so that is... I don't know how much I want to fully dispose uh, uh, or, or, you know, tell you all about that. But um, that is the concept um, on on the surface, at least. Are you leaning towards the the audience's talent, like having having some I mean, with that scenario, w- will they be? operating scripts at some point will you be handed handing them some material is that, well, that part de- of the plan that depends on how good of a director bambi is okay and bambi's had a rough year bambi has had a rough year yeah i heard <laughs> and not just not just the pandemic it's been you know it's been tough it's been it's been a thing it's tough you know i mean do you think patreon's hard like you need your only fans to like you need that that retention's important. She, she's she's only top eleven percent. I heard. <laughs> so and I mean mostly if you see people bragging about it on Twitter, they're like point zero 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 four percent. At least that's what everyone claims. Not that I know. But here's <laughs> here's what I will say is that again, I really thought uh, deeply about this audiobook, and um, I'm like, oh, it would be fun and new for me to assign full on characters to the to the talent to have to play to the audience. And uh, as much as I thought about that, I was like, you know what? My skill is helping people, is providing a space, as I said, for people to be themselves. So um, that is going to factor in. Bambi doesn't really understand that (laughs) Mm. as she uh, really wants to control the situation. But um, it sounds like you're playing with some sort of fun, almost antinomian for you energy. Like there's some left hand path. Oh. Uh, stuff going on here and I think I'm here for that. Yeah, I showed yeah. you I showed you a, a I texted you a photo. This outfit is not <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I mean I love it, but I it, it's a research based character um for uh that I think actually is so 
I didn't mean for it to be this modern. My idea actually stemmed from Shane helping me in a marketing effort. We've been streaming some of my shows on Twitch, trying to access people who already enjoy being online right. and seeing, you know, I'm, I'm going to stop trying to beg people to be online. You don't like Zoom? Well, motherfuckers, I'm on Zoom. So I can't help you there. You yeah. don't like it? Then you then don't come. It's on Zoom. But there are people who enjoy sitting around being on the internet. And so we, in an effort to advance my base we've been trying to work on twitch and i just went into a deep dive of twitch and discovered the e-girl asmr experience and i found it fascinating fascinating it is a it is another i i sometimes wonder if i had been born a little later or maybe even significantly later like how how into this stuff i would be because so so it's so prevalent in the culture it, it it's kind of the bulk of the fiber of of the culture and and yet at the same time i think about how for you know my generation and my my frame you know i, I there's there's a lot of stuff i've never interacted with in in the mainstream culture to any great degree like i think of say you know most television shows on cbs couldn't tell you anything about CSI or NCIS other than they have these these letters and numbers and they're all procedurals. That's all I know. Other than that, zero interest. Zero interest in them in any way, shape, or form. And so I wonder if I'd have that kind of relationship to Twitch in large part because like I watched I watched Twitch get formed um, back when it was just in TV, when it was just live streaming in the Bay, like life blogging in the Bay Area and all that stuff. And I Justine was a character on on Justin TV, and Twitch was just the gaming vertical in it. And it was this little tiny bit of it, but it was the only thing that wound up having any legs. And and then watch Twitch kind of emerge and and all the stuff it's done. And now it's back to being what Justin TV was, which is like people watching people and. I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. All I know is that when I watch people play video games, I just get upset because I'm like, why am I not playing this video game? And that's me. That's who I am. Well, right. And I think that the whole the world of like Internet influencers, Twitch streamers, um, you know, TikTok. I mean, I really think for me, the theme of control is uh, is a fascinating one because so much of like the the self-made entrepreneur oh yeah right is like well i don't have to listen to my i don't have to have a boss tell me what to fucking do i'll go on tiktok and i'll make my own ads for you know teeth whitening or whatever the hell it is right and then like do we have control then or are we just i mean what well and that's the craziest thing it's like oh i'll just go make some ads for someone and like wait until people like notice that i'm making ads for people and like that's the part that just makes me like someone like shot like a, a a bitcoin vampire squid at my face to like draw out all my brain and then like turn it into you know crypto and like i but i i get it because for me it goes back to like not understanding this is probably before a lot of people's time eh, some people's time um not understanding dignation dignation was this show that was a video a live video streams show Again, in pre-Twitch days, I think they were on like some platform that was trying to be what Twitch would become. And it was um, Kevin Rose and Alex Albrecht. Um, and they would just like talk about what the, story, the top stories on Dig were. And people would watch this. This is, this is probably like 2004, 2005. I know because like it was going when I was like working at the Trust Republic land. And that was like not, that was around the time of the invasion of Iraq. And so like long, long time ago. Right. And I was creating anti-Bush zines in high school. Yeah. And like 
I, I like watched it and did not understand what people saw in it and then realized at one point that people weren't watching it. They were listening to it because it was drive time radio. It was just a, you know, on demand drive time radio. That was the vibe. You didn't actually have to watch it. And it's like people aren't necessarily watching the Twitch streamers play Fortnite or whatever. They're listening. It's, it's passive lean back. And it's very ironic for someone who has a podcast. It's deeply ironic for someone who has a podcast, but I've, I'm, I'm, that's not how I engage with any, I'm not the kind of person who turns on a a show to have a background noise while I'm doing something else. Because if I do that, I'm going to watch the show. I am an active listener, active watcher. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, I mean, I know people who listen to content on, you know, sped up because they consume so much content. So they got yeah, to yeah. get through it, you know? And I think, you know, in this, in this scenario, Bambi definitely identifies as a, as a kitten avoiding capitalism. And, um, but at some degree, you know, aren't we all, we're really uh, trying to find a way to come out from under this crippling experience of human existence. Certainly the American experience of, oh, do I go to a job with a boss who doesn't respect me? This was one of the themes of the performance I did, which was kind of a beta. I, I tested Bambi for the first time with PDT. They got to meet her. Um, and uh, that was something a participant brought up, was talking about their work environment. And like, you know, I really don't think my boss respects me or cares about me, right? That's the nightmare. But then what is the alternative? The alternative of being an influencer, maintaining these OnlyFans account. You know, you and I both live off of Patreon. That's hella stressful, right? Like, I mean, it's... it's um, yeah what what is what are our options and certainly coming out of covid what have we ever had control over (laughs) yeah i mean why do we desire i mean we really i think i I certainly of course all this comes i'm creating this character but certainly there's so much personal experience in it of just wishing there was something wishing there was something that i could say this is mine and i've got it under control yeah, it's it's probably it's definitely one of the largest just themes of American life, straight up, um, with without any question, you know, like, and and it it goes into so many places. Like one of the reasons why conspiracy theories are so popular is because they give a sense of control, you know, mm. like you're read in on something that everyone else doesn't know. Uh, this this fits the frame of your mind. It's emotionally true. Mm. If you if you can if something can be emotionally true, then you feel like you you have more control over yourself because mm. your emotions are are matching reality, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Like I think that's a, probably like a big part of that mm. is you have the sense that something's wrong. You know that something's wrong. You you and it and it feels absurd. Like why is everything so off? And then mm. someone tells you this like wild story that somehow feels true and because it's so big and so impossible, it feels okay to feel out of control, Mm. right? Like it feels Mm. okay to just have these like swings because the alternative of just like the the slow grind of, and there's this intractable machine that no one has, this intractable machine that no one has any actual control over. That's, Mm. That's the more terrifying prospect that that the reason why there's climate change, that there's reason why there's disenfranchisement, that the reason why there's income inequality, that there's reason why there's all this violence, that there, that there, that there isn't a cabal running all this stuff. It's just like 
the machine is broken and it's just putting out bad outcomes and no one knows what could actually fix it because it's not human and cannot be reasoned with. And what a horrible feeling it is day to day to be powerless. We have really, we went from giggling and <laughs> laughing and playing with cats to like. Yeah, this is what capitalism does to us. <laughs> um, so right. It's actually gotten like less warm in the room too. That's the funniest part. It's like a couple minutes ago, I was like, let's start to cool off in here. And like, no, we're getting like deadly serious. So, but obviously, but, but that's, but that's the, but so like this is underlying the work, but you're, you're putting an e-girl face on it all. So, Absolutely. So, so there's quite some bizarre contrasts happening here. Of So this is a comedy. It's a comedy about late stage capitalism is what I'm hearing maybe. Oh, you know? and she's fun. You yeah. know, she's fun and she has very good intentions. And you know what? It's a little, it's an audio book that she totally can direct. She has the skills. She has the abilities. Like what could go wrong? It's not going to go wrong. It's going to be great. This is good. We got this. We got this. Let's do a book. Let's record. Welcome talent. Come on in. Nice to have you. <laughs> <laughs> that's a metaphor for my own life just fyi art mirrors life always always well yeah you know my heart goes zoom that was real that guy is real <laughs> <laughs> his name is all over my website <laughs> <laughs> mm. so uh oh <laughs> what was that i don't even know so yeah so you know it's <laughs> wait what was that about about oh, I no just name. the mm sound no not that part oh. just suddenly just mm, yeah i don't yeah. know well you know it's like oh i met this girl online and i had one kind of zoom date with her and now there's like you can buy enamel pins that say you vlad me at hello that's me yeah but it's a joke yeah he's flattered i'm sure <laughs> he hasn't looked at it he doesn't care <laughs> So e-girls, though, fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah, it's a whole world I've learned a lot about in the past uh, few weeks. You know, of kind of going down a deep dive of of exploring this. This. Um, what are you feeling about hot tub streamers then? Hot tub streamers? Oh, you don't know about this? This was the big controversy the past two weeks on Twitch. Hot tub streamers. Is that like combining both of the things I'm doing? Basically, uh, I mean, th there's a little bit, maybe. They're, they 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 were very upset that there were uh, girls just and maybe there were, I think there were other people as well. But like Twitch tends to get upset when there are girls in bikinis doing anything because then the game streamers feel like you know they're they're losing income to like girls who they're losing income to the people they actually want to watch because they're they've internalized both they've internalized a form of puritanical misogyny that prevents them from enjoying people like being scantily clad and so they get very angry and they're like this person's stealing my money because they're just sitting in a hot tub and there's nothing even though there's people doing all kinds of weird stuff on twitch like who cares but mm. they've actually now created a dedicated uh category for hot tub streamers on twitch wow yes so Dang, that's, i thought i was research. gonna crack into the asmr one but maybe i should do the hot no i don't have a hot you tub. don't have a hot tub you'll see my asmr one in yeah. august everyone you can join in but there'll be but yeah no i mean I think there's asmr then future there can be there can be a hot tub one so yeah. There's a franchise. There's opportunities, y'all. Yeah. Don't lose hope. No. Uh. It's it's the uh it's the bulletproof Bambi cinematic universe. It so. sure is. And I you know, I say all of this, I you know, with the title, um, hope is not something that comes naturally to me. I'm an activist, uh, therefore an idealist, but I'm certainly not an optimist. Mm. So um hope is not something that I feel strongly most days. I just can't it's hard for me to access it because I don't want to be disappointed. I don't want to get hurt 
by trusting in this amorphous, you know, feeling slash concept slash like, I don't know, ideology, (laughs) and then having it uh, having it leave me again when, you know, things fall apart, as they often inevitably do. So kind of working with some of these things that are sort of antithesis to myself, I certainly don't feel comfortable in like an e-girl outfit. I I'm not a very, <laughs> I don't really have the confidence for this outfit that I'm wearing, but I'm pretending like I do. And I um, am, yeah, exploring some themes that are challenging for me. Um, and uh, that's, but that's what is amazing about interactive art is that I know that these themes, I don't have to really, I mean, everybody from Broken, who has seen Broken Bone Bathtub knows that the most profound things that are said at every performance don't come from me, Right. I'm facilitating an experience where, I, where the the truth bombs and the wisdom and the incredible stories are from the group. So my job is to create a space where that can still happen, provided I can facilitate it well. So I want to explore these themes that are challenging for me because I'm excited for what I can learn for the rest of this year um, about these things. Well, I'm also excited that you now get to take this new piece and you get to iterate it here in LA. Um, so we're, we're, we're lucky to have you here. So that is very kind. And I hope that LA people will come out and see me because oh, they will. I need new friends. <laughs> You'll get them. You'll get them. <laughs> okay. Okay. He sounded really confident and he looked pretty confident about that. So I, okay. I'm not, I'm not worried. Uh, we not do worried. appreciate that. We, I'm talking about myself. <laughs> Like I have been for a long time. Okay, well. (laughs) If people want to meet more of all the various hers that there are, where do they go? Yeah, so I mean, SiobhanOlachlan.com will have all of these things, which is quite a mouthful. I'm an Irish lady. Uh, It's S-I-O-B-H-A-N-O-L-O-U-G-H-L-I-N.com. But you'll also find um, tickets at PleaseDon'tTouchTheArtist.com as well as BrokenBoneBathtub.com. I own a lot of these websites. Uh, and so you can find uh, tickets for um, for Every Day I'll Hope, um, as well as Please Don't Touch, um, which will continue. So if you're local, um, I'm very excited for you to come see Every Day I'll Hope. And Please Don't Touch will carry on. So Please Don't Touch the Artist.com. We're going, we're going through the summer, at least. All right. Siobhan, thank you. Thanks for having me, Noah. That was a treat. I hope you enjoy that. Uh, <laughs> we had a lot of fun. Um, you can find all of Siobhan's work at SiobhanOlachlan.com. There will be a link in the show notes. Every Day I'll Hope starts on July 16th in Los Angeles. And there are more instances from the Please Don't Touch the Artist series. Uh, Immutable is on June 24th, and Brian Lane 3 is on July 7th, uh, so you can check those out online. I am. I need to adjust the microphone. Like, the microphone fell down. There we go. That's much better. I'm not going to change anything. Very, very loose episode here. Uh, check it. We are uh, just, just 
running around like so busy uh starting to get things ready for uh the summit and festival which is coming up in january january 7th 8th and 9th in pasadena at the pasadena playhouse we're going to have some announcements about that uh over the course of the summer uh probably starting as early as the top of next month i think going to be able to tell you a few things about what's going on obviously we're up to something we're up to some no good when it comes to the podcast now we're up to some good. Um, you'll learn a little bit more about it next week. Uh, I don't want to give away everything. And then there's going to be uh, like a, a little mini-sode uh, over July 4th weekend. It's uh, going to sort of tease what's coming. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm giddy. I'm giddy. We're starting to put these together and just, you know, and it's going to be a work in progress. Like, you know, don't, <laughs> this is us after all. It's, it. There's, there's me doing all the engineering and, and the admin stuff and the interviews and, and, and recordings and, uh, you know, here's Catherine holding down the website and us all organizing and then Parker's coming on board to help us book things. And there's the rest of the team doing everything that they do. There's Chris Grimm, like working away at making the everything immersive site into what we want it to be. And all these cylinders are going and the engine's kind of kind of purring along and the world is opening up and that means we're jumping in the car and going places. So uh, it's it's really exciting and uh, I I'm <laughs> really hope this summer isn't just a big last hurrah for us. Uh, so, you know, patreon.com slash no proscenium to make sure that we're we're going strong. Um, and I and I really do hope that uh, you like what we're about to do um, and because uh, I think if we if we get this right, it's going to be valuable to all of you who are already listeners. It's going to be valuable to a whole new generation of no proscenium listeners. And when we're able to serve more people, uh, that means we're able to get word out about, uh, you know, word out about artists like Siobhan, experiences like The Nest, even even work like Meow Wolf, uh, which, you know, has a lot of advertising dollars pushing into it, you know, like, um, you know, they're 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 not even as ubiquitous as, you know, some of the, the the stuff you see on Facebook. Right. So whatever we can do to expand this world of ours, we're going to do it. And that's what's up next for us is just just using everything we've got every skill we have to spread the word about immersive and experiential work. So we'll see you next week for episode 300, a celebration of what we've been. And then I'm really looking forward to taking you on the journey of what we're about to become. And that is something that has been made possible by you and by folks like our sustaining backers, our sustaining backers, Mark Balthazar, Jan Budman, Paul F., Sidney Guillory, Lonnie Hanson, Ari Hurston, Emily Gillette, Samuel Mustry, Deborah Robinson, Brittany, and Elaine. Thank you all so much. We could not go where we're going without you. We couldn't go 
where we're going to go without the help of all of you, patreon.com slash no proscenium. It wouldn't sound like a podcast if it wasn't for the music of Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. The website would fall apart without our executive editor, Catherine Yu, and Everything Immersive's designer, Chris Grimm. Things would fall apart without the Facebook moderation team for the Everything Immersive. Uh, big shout out to Jeff Heimbuck, who uh, definitely carries along with Catherine more than his fair share of moderating over there. So thank you, Jeff. Uh, Jeff's over at Horror Buzz and also an incredible podcast creator of his in his own right. And yeah, that's what's up right now. We will see you for episode 300. And until next time, I'll see you at the show. <laughs>